0: Chapter 6 of Schopenhauer in the Air by Sada Kichi Hartman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nemo. Under the Birch Trees to Amelie Rive, 1893. Yes, if on that evening I had known that earthly happiness can be conjured up from the folly of existence merely by forcing ourselves to enjoy pain many things would be different whether for better or worse i do not dare to decide just on the spot we sat about this time of the year while leaf after leaf fell from the birch trees with a soft crackling noise and were carried away by the tepid wind it was the hour of twilight below our feet lay the city wrapped in the rising mist of darkness then as to-day the river wound its way around the city hand in hand we gazed at the sunset it was no sunset of fiery insuperable colors to intoxicate poets and painters with melancholy inspiration on that evening the sky faded vaguely imperceptibly from blue to night in diluted variations of green and it seemed as if the paleness of her face and her white dress had absorbed all light and radiated it, while surrounding nature dissolved into dusk. Like a misty vision, she rested on the brownish green of the sloping hill. We did not speak. Our souls were so saturated with nature, the under-vibration of that vast purgatory of emotion which men call love, that we obeyed every suggestion of its timeless eloquence have you ever loved trivial question to be sure yet i mean really truly loved not merely infatuated for the body's sake but that the welfare of your heart and brain depended on the mutual stimulation of love i sincerely believe that scarcely two or three out of a hundred human beings experience self oblivious love And can we therefore wonder at life being so cheerless, so unbearable, to all those who have some kind of a soul, and have not yet learned to enjoy pain as I do? Our love, though not platonic, not free from devouring kisses and vulgar flirtation, was wholesome and world-defiant. On that evening all was calm and pure, yet intense, almost bordering on pain. Roche-Grosse, I believe, could understand that feeling, but Kazan would paint it better. Our existences were in a deeper, closer embrace than the most nervous and supremely physical fusion could ever effect. Tremor after tremor of bliss vibrated through my frame. The world seemed out of joint and the air moving in large, mighty rhymes around us. So we sat, wrapped in the poetry of our love, forlorn, excluded into a world of dreams, and the very silhouettes our love-drunk forms made against the pale green sky must have been such a sentimental painter would select for a picture. And yet how did it come about that on that same evening I took the express train for New York never to see her again? strange to say there was no confession misunderstanding or quarrel which generally brings about such changes we did not offend each other with rude words the change took place as rapidly and imperceptibly as the colors of the sunset we were sitting utterly silent in the same position while leaf after leaf fell from the birch trees with a soft crackling noise and were carried off by the tepid wind if it were possible to explain such sudden changes of feeling which often determine a life's happiness i would trace it to the moment when pressing her head with a loving tremor against my breast she glanced up at me and i looked over her shoulder and the profile of her body suddenly revealed deficiencies deficiencies of curves almost typical of our american women which though they tell of refinement also denote degeneration of the female physical form one might get along after all condensed milk is as good as mother's milk and Rubens' susanna is too fat and vulgar after all but then deficiencies of form suggest deficiencies of intellect and emotion I should discover more and more faults in her that would irritate me, excite my temper, render me indifferent to her, and it would finally be only a waste of energy in plaguing each other about a lost hairpin or a bad cigar. So marriage, I reasoned, without realizing my thoughts at the moment, is after all but a lottery. Even the truest love cannot assure us the great prize of happiness, without considering the question at all whether the great prize is really ever awarded or not. I was afraid of going the risk. I did not know then that happiness can only be found in oneself and never in another person. Association with a friend, a wife, one's own children, may be the supreme fire, kindling and warming one's whole existence, whose loss would paralyze a part of the soul. But after all, it has nothing to do with happiness. The bite of a mosquito at the funeral of one's wife would outweigh all emotion for the moment. Therefore, the choosing of a companion for life is not as important as one generally thinks. One may prove as good as another, and as I held her in my arms in the dread of living life in its full strength, i.e., of venturing as one can foretell nothing, a weakness which has become natural to us in our crippled state, tormented me. I felt that she, conscious of my thought, was making an effort to solve what troubled my brain. Had the sunset only been blood-red, the color might have inspired her animal spirits. She might have bored her lips into mine and led me over the very deficiencies into the intoxication of the senses. But the pale green sky grew more and more somber with every moment. The landscape became more and more steeped in gray. And also her figure grew as monotonous in color as the stump of a neighboring tree. She stared into my eyes and tried to solve the mystery that had hardened my lips and sunk my eyes into my white wan face. And gazing into each other's faces, it seemed to me AS IF WE HAD ENTIRELY CHANGED, AS IF ALL THOSE FEATURES THAT HAD BEEN LOVELY TO US HAD ASSUMED A DISAGREEABLE ASHEN HUE, A DISGUST OF LIFE, LIKE THE LAST STREAK OF GREEN IN THE HORIZON, SO INTENSE, SO PAINFUL AND SO WEIRD, THAT ONE COULD ALMOST LOVE IT FOR ITS WEIRDNESS, HAD COME OVER US. AND STILL THE LEAVES FELL ONE BY ONE FROM THE BIRCH-TREES WITH A SOFT CRACKLING NOISE. And were carried away by the tepid wind, the grass is wet. she murmured, and, as if by agreement, we rose together, suffering in every atom, unhappy, despairing, without interchanging our feeling by a word, a look, or a tremor of affinity in our swooning bodies. We walked along side by side, but with a greater distance between us than there had been for many a day. As we passed a briar rose-bush, she stretched out her hand to gather rose. The branch broke off, and the frightened birds nestling in the tree flew away. Drops of dew hung on the broken flower, which was doomed to die before the evening had closed. As she showed it to me with a slow, painful gesture, I felt that, like the last reflection of ebbing light in the landscape, also love was fading in my soul. End of Under the Birch Trees